Happy Frazetta Friday, Frazetta fans. Thank you for joining me on Frazetta Fridays with Frazetta Girls, episode number three. Tonight we are chatting with my friend, the very talented Stephen E. Gordon. Stephen is an animator, a film director, and a character designer. He has worked on films and series such as Space Jam A New Legacy, X-Men Evolution, Shrek 2, The Swan Princess, Anastasia, and so many more. He broke into the industry while working on animated films with the one and only Ralph Bakshi, including Cool World, Hey Good Looking, American Pop, and of course, Bakshi's collaborative film with Frank Frazetta, Fire and Ice. Tonight, we are going to hear some really fun stories about what it was like working with Ralph Bakshi and Frank Frazetta, among many other things that Stephen shares with us. So without further ado, Stephen E. Gordon. So nice to have you on Frazetta Fridays with Frazetta Girls, episode number three. So good to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It's great to be here with you. It's good Aww. to see you. I always drew, and you know, I had two older brothers who drew as well. Um, I think there was a certain, and we'd do kind of these comics. You know, we were comic book fans and stuff. We'd read comics all the time, and and I started uh, at one point. I we were working on a comic where my older brother would write it, and I would draw it, and uh, because I think at some point it became apparent that I had the stronger artistic skills and i think at one point when i was doing it might even been for one of these comics or something i came up with for me which was a brilliant plan is to pose my gi joe figure and use that as reference yeah and you know, and suddenly it was like that immediately made me jump forward you know x amount of artistic abilities you know and so at some point, I just kind of was the one who kept doing the art and stuff. And then through high school, junior high and high school. And then uh, when I was in my senior year, I think it was the first semester of my senior year, my art teacher, who I was working with trying to get my portfolio together, was kind of guiding me and counseling me and whatnot. Uh, she came across a trade paper ad, an ad in the trade papers. Uh, looking for portfolio submissions. I don't think she even knew what it was for mm -hmm. necessarily, but you know, there was like some rendered drawing of some guy or whatever that, that on the ad and she thought, oh, this would be good. You'd get a, get a portfolio, uh, a professional portfolio review, and maybe it might show him, poke, poke a few holes in him and make him realize that he's not the end all. At, even though I was at the school, which didn't matter much, and she knew that. And unfortunately, she was wrong on both accounts. I uh, didn't get a portfolio review because no one does that. No professional uh, studio or whatever will give you a portfolio review. Either they will hire you or not hire you and give you your portfolio back in the, those days. Nowadays, it's even easier because they just don't have to answer your email. But, uh, right. And, and since I got the job, it didn't poke any, take any air out of my sails or anything. I was able to, uh, you know, still keep my big head for a little bit until I met other artists that he was hiring at the time and realized that I wasn't all that special. But I, um, the, school was, <laughs> the school was great. They allowed me to finish uh, my senior year by going to adult education classes and get finish my credits which i didn't need many more of or anything and they all worked hard to try to make sure that i still graduated with the class and everything and whatnot because i think they were pretty impressed because the salary i was getting which was probably nothing a couple hundred bucks or whatever was more than what they were making so they, they thought that's impressive they, yeah, yeah that's they, they, they were pretty uh you know gung-ho trying to help me make this work what it was like meeting Ralph Bakshi for the first time, and, and, and how old were you? I was 17. You were 17. Okay. And I don't, if I recall right, I don't think I met him for several weeks. Uh, okay. After I was hired. And it was, if I saw him, it was probably only, you know, him coming in and talking with the supervisors or the, over us and stuff and just got, and if you've met Ralph, you know, he kind of comes into a room 
as a big force. You know. Yes, big personality. Yes, he loud. closed the room. So, <laughs> so it was very, uh, especially for a 17-year-old kid who, you know, I had the distinct feeling I shouldn't be there. And I was actually uh, trying to give the impression that I was much older. Okay. Yeah. You know, and now, as it turns out, that was the right way to go because he said that if he'd known he was 17, he wouldn't have hired, if I, he'd known I was 17, he would not have hired me. So. Now, what about the other artists? What, what, were, the, what were their age ranges? Oh, they were all in their, you know, at least 10 years older than I was. Okay. You know, some, some many more. I mean, and, you know, and the I was in the first group because he kept bringing in groups more and more, you know, filling it. And I think, I think initially there were just six or seven of us, or maybe eight, uh, that were brought in initially. And, um, it was um, so it wasn't too bad, and it wasn't. You know, I started seeing some of the others, and he just kept coming in. He kept every few weeks bringing more and more because he found the need for him. Uh, and this was you know back on Lord of the Rings, and we were basically just doing real grunt work on these uh, the orc photos and stuff. Now you did the one scene with the the, the rider coming in with the horse, right? And yeah, and okay. I, I I happened to be uh, in the right place at the right time. <laughs> Whenever uh, uh, work, Ralph got a brilliant idea of wanting to try something new. And initially I I'd run out of work and one of the animators upstairs needed an assistant. So I was moved into that position for a while. And then Ralph uh, had this enormous scene of those of Aragorn and Gandalf riding on horseback that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. thought that well, it would be nice to try to get that done by someone who doesn't cost much. <laughs> and, you know, and I yeah. think he, at that he point. Much of a budget, right? Like yeah. all of his budgets were pretty low. With oh, yeah, terribly low. Um, yeah. um, but, you know, at that point, he, he kind of knew who I was. At that point, I've met him and it, it kind of uh, taken me under his wing somewhat. Okay. And uh, so he, he had confidence, I think, in me being able to do, pull it off because he knew I could draw. And and there was very little you could do to screw up that type of a scene. I mean, you could have been screwed up, but, you know. Yeah, I was going to say that's that's subjective. But, but it, it, it took persistence and stuff. And I was I learned a lot doing it, which is great. But it was just one drawing after another. You know, normally in animation you do, you know, what they call key poses or whatever you you know, drawings one and drawing nine and drawing 17. This one I did one, two, three, four, five, all the way through because A, I didn't know any better. And plus it was such erratic, fast motion. That, that was pretty much the only way you could pull it off. So how many days did that, I mean, how many how many hours would a scene like that take for Boy, you? You know, I think I was still assisting the animator in doing that in my spare time in okay. the evenings and stuff. Uh, or during lunches and whatnot. So it probably, it could have taken me, because I think it was a hundred foot scene, which is unheard of in animation, especially that complicated the scene. Um, what does that mean, Steve? For a hundred feet? Well, it's, um, it's uh, 90 feet per minute. So it, it was a little more than a minute, which is a long time for a scene okay. in, an, yeah. in animation. Um, and no one realizes how much work goes into that. Oh, it is a tremendous amount. Yeah. It, so it, it could, it, that might have taken me, I don't know, months, I guess, to actually finish it. You know, I, I don't recall. It, it just kind of, you know, it seemed like, you know, I remember doing some of the drawing for it, but, you know, my memory doesn't recall exactly uh, how it got done. <laughs> Because I was probably too young and naive to know what I was doing at that point. Well, seven, yeah, it was a, a while ago. So yeah, yeah, a few years. I, yeah, <laughs> I, I barely remember anything from last year. So, <laughs> asking, you, asking you tough questions, but yeah. so after yeah. you worked on Lord of the Rings, uh, what what film did you work on with Ralph Bakshi? Uh Then I worked. Uh, I believe it was um, Hey Good Looking or American Pop. Okay. And I'd have to get out the. Uh, my IMDb page to know for sure, yeah. but, but I, I, those films came before, uh, and um, on American Pop, it was essentially the same sort of idea as Lord of the Rings, which is the rotoscoping, except, you know, because I, at that point, 
um, wasn't interested in doing straight on rotoscoping. I ended up getting a lot of the broader characters and the uh, stuff that didn't matter if I was off roto. You know, it, I was allowed to exaggerate and stuff. So, you know, I ended up doing Jimi Hendrix in that and uh, a, lot of the, uh, a lot of the musical numbers and stuff. Now, so, why didn't you want to do the roto? Was it just the... Well, it, I just found it very difficult yeah. For me to, I mean, on that film especially, Lord of the Rings, it was kind of broader, rotoscope, mm -hmm. more reference. I, but um, other than the one hundred foot scene I did, but uh, <laughs> but on American Pop, for whatever reason, he decided that he wanted it to be like slave, slavishly uh, right on the live action, and that just was not what I was comfortable doing. Anyway, yeah, I tried it a few times, but I kept kind of still like if someone yelling, suddenly their mouth got bigger and more defined. And, you know, I kind of pushed things even at that age and uh, that, that few years in the industry, I was still already kind of pushing things. Yeah. So, so, you know, so, but what it did was it gave him an idea of when he did finally do uh, Fire Nice, hooked up with your grandfather. Uh, that I was probably a good choice for that because I wasn't going to just make it look super realistic. I was going to make it exaggerated and pushed and stuff. So, yeah. Now, so you were the director of animation. On yeah, I was the animation director, supervisor, whatever. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, uh, how did that did that just kind of come about because of Ralph and yours relationship, and he just was like, "You're the perfect person for the job," or well, I. I would like to think that's what it was. Yeah. For all I know, maybe I was the 10th person he called. I don't know. Ah. <laughs> I was there. But, you know, I, I was at that point, I was working at Filmation, um, you know, where I met my wife. Not my wife then at that point, obviously. But, uh, is she back met, there? Is she yeah. in the studio with you? Yeah, she is. She's oh. sitting in the corner. Hello. But, um, <laughs> it's hot. Oh. She's like, <laughs> she's waving. <laughs> anyway, uh, like and you know, it it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and you know, and, uh, you know it, so I was working in filmation, I was doing character layout or layout, there was no character layout, was layout on uh, Lone Ranger and some of those types of shows like Tarzan and Zorro and whatnot. And you know, as a sharing an office with Dave Stevens, you know, he, he is right, yes, 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 yeah, the Rocketeer and yep. uh, Russ Heath. Um, Anyway, so that that was a great time to you know begin to work with them, and then I got a call uh, from Ralph, and he, and he offered me the job to be the animation director on Fire and Ice, and so that was quite exciting. So you guys started that, and it came out in '83. It started in like in '80. Did it how did it take about a year to? to... Yeah, it probably took about a year. I mean, yeah. I, I was there a little earlier because initially, when he was getting the studio up and going in Sutherland, he. Uh, Started off doing some shorts and stuff, some uh, anti-smoking shorts and some junk shorts or whatever, just to kind of get a feel for the studio and stuff and to kind of get people in place and keep us busy for a little bit uh, while he's probably still negotiating with your grandfather and stuff. Yeah, so. I'm, I think they went back and forth quite a bit. Oh, I don't I mean, doubt it, yeah. Those two working together, I mean, I, I remember going in my grandpa's studio and I mean, this was well after the film um, in the nineties and Ralph and, the, and, my, and my grandfather, the way that they would go back and forth with each other and just both so loud. My grandpa would always just say to him, you're so loud, Ralph. You're so loud. Yeah. But they were, they had that kind of relationship. They were bickering, but like, they, like brothers, like they loved each other, but they liked to pick on each other quite a bit about everything. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. They had a, a weird uh, yin and yang thing going on. Yes. They definitely got along real well, at least as far as I could tell, but it was a very, uh, strange um, chemistry going on there <laughs> so yeah it, it it shouldn't have worked but it worked kind of yeah. chemistry it's it's definitely strange i think like the brooklyn factor kept them together i wouldn't you know? doubt it yeah yeah it, 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 i have no doubt that uh, same humble beginnings and that type of stuff and the east right. coast and stuff so when you were when you were there working i mean were you was your like head down all the time like back in in like, what, what was it like like being there working on that? Yeah, I, I had a, a ton of work 
that I had to do um, because I, I not only was I animation director, I was keying every scene uh, for everyone else. Other than the only scenes that I didn't key were the Tigra scenes because that was at that point in my uh, artistic development. It was a little bit further in a direction that I wasn't quite comfortable with. Um, and so we hired someone else to help with that. We went through a lot of people before we finally found the Tigra here. But every scene, you know, had to have key drawings in it, anywhere from one to a dozen or so, depending on the length of the scenes. Mm. And I was doing all the male characters. I think there's very few that I didn't do. Um, I saw a lot of your uh, Lauren drawings actually, um, with the with the costume and yeah. everything. I didn't realize I, I should realize, but I didn't realize actually how much work goes into creating the character. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it, intense. Yeah, yeah. Frank would basically come up with the concept and the drawing and a pretty drawing of the character or whatever, mm -hmm. and then I would have to kind of turn those into model sheets and you know sh and show how it worked on top of the actor and such. You know, the rotoscope live action. See, do a comparison. I think I've shown you those drawings. Yeah, and you said you told me before that they had a hard time finding the model, the the actors, right? I mean, oh, yeah, well, especially the Tigra actor. Yeah. Actress, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. They went through why. a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, they didn't. They had a lot of trouble finding someone that fit that figure, obviously, and they they never really did. So I think at some and they they looked at a ton of young actresses and stuff, and most of them probably uh, weren't so much good actresses that they just look good in bikinis or, yeah. or out of bikinis or whatever. So. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, um, well, uh, we'll skip over that part. But okay, yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure who your audience. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Well, I just I don't know the guidelines of, of YouTube. Of I need to I need to look into that more of what I can and no. cannot say. But w was it? I, I read an interview and my grandpa. But this was like a later interview, and you know he had the health problems. Mm -hmm. But was it true Heather Locklear came through? Not that I'm aware of, no. Okay. I thought that might be a little bit. I'm, I'm like, maybe he's, maybe. If she did, she never made it to uh, photograph her. Because I, I they, they would take pictures of a lot of these girls, mm -hmm. you know, in their bikini or whatnot. And uh, I would, they would give a copy of it to me and I would try to draw a line around it to see what it would look like. And mm. if she was in that group, I sure did not see her. Yeah. And they ended up using what was one of the better actresses, I guess, that came through. Cynthia Leak. Yes. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think she was in maybe soap operas at the time, or she she had actually some screen credits, whereas most of the girls that came through did not. You know, some of them were strippers, or some of them were athletes, or some of them were uh, models. No wonder my grandpa didn't want to leave California. Oh, like, no, I think I, he had a great time. I'm sure him and Ralph would uh, lock themselves in his offices during casting. And you know. <laughs> He's like, this is the best part of the job, guys. I'm going to be in the casting room for. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> He's like firing the, the actors just so he can rehire them again. That's and right. do it. You know, it was it was funny. I, I saw a picture of um, of Larn, the live action Larn, and. Mm -hmm. He looked. He looked more like a Frazetta girl than Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, he had the he had the characteristics of like the tiny yeah. little nose, and I was like, "Huh, I'm like that's an interesting discovery." Yeah, no, he, he did, was not a Conan type by any means. No, no, he was so. like a real pretty boy. Yeah, and, he was. Yeah, he, he, I think they mainly cast him because he was athletic. Stuff. Okay, um, so like a gymnast type yeah, guy. Yeah, I think he's a gymnast, if I recall right. And you know, that's who they kind of needed. And they, I think they tried using his voice, and it was not very good. They no. ended up having someone, an actual voice actor. Well, they and, ended up doing that with everyone, right? Because Maggie Rothwell did Tigra's voice. Right. And, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and yeah, eventually they replaced her, uh, Cynthia Leake's voice too. Um, but yeah, you know, a couple of them I think stayed. I think the one playing um, uh, uh, 
Necron. Necron, thank you. I blanked for a minute. <laughs> yes, Necron. I in fact, I think he either did the, the voice of Lauren or the guy playing uh, Tigra's brother did. I can't recall right. It's oh, one I of the two. Oh, I should know this too. I, I don't. I'm I'm also yeah, blank. Sorry, I'm, Sean. We we love you. <laughs> yeah. We had that. Remember, we had that fire and ice reunion, Steve. That was so yeah, up in Florida. Yeah, yeah, that was at the Shock Pop Comic Con, the one one and done show. Yeah, it was, it was they ended up not paying half the people. And yeah, that's yeah, that wasn't that wasn't good. You kind of yeah. had that sense that it wasn't going well when when you were there. You're like, oh, yeah. I mean, having a stage in the middle of a. The, the exhibit floor probably was not the best way to handle it. No, stuff. do you remember like like we we had some audio issues in the beginning? Um, yeah. So, but it was it was like that times ten. Remember, uh, I think Robert Rodriguez called in and couldn't really hear him, and I'm like, what? This could have been so good. Yeah. I mean, we had all of us together. And Ralph was uh, Ralph and uh, Rodriguez was on the uh, on screens, two separate yes. screens, and I don't think they could hear each other. And uh, no, and no. But you know, I, I guess playing devil's advocate with my my technical difficulties, it's harder than it looks. It's like oh, yeah. you're, you're yeah. like, oh my god, this is this is challenging. Well, I do want to bring up in those days. I mean, how how long ago was that? Was that that must have been? Uh, I don't know. I just looked at the picture of myself, and I'm like, I look quite younger. So I think it was uh, 2015, 2015, yeah, seven years ago. So yeah, maybe, yeah, see, yeah, I'd have to look because I know I took my daughter, and. Uh, it, it, you know what? It was the first year because she she was big into American um, Horror Show or whatever that show. American was. Horror Story. Yeah, and one okay. of the actresses from that was there, and she was thrown to death. So God. it would be probably whenever that first year of that show was, I guess. I completely forgot about that. I and now I can't even remember the actresses. It's so weird how our memories like just. Yeah. They, I can't, I'll remember like every negative thing, but like the positive <laughs> on thing. So I'm like, why? I guess that's a survival thing. I wanted to pull up this picture real quick, Stephen. Look, sure. look, look at yeah. this. Yeah, tell, young I am. Now tell me about, you're still so handsome. So look at the Frazetta drawings on the back. Like, I mean, what was, what was, what was going on right here? Well, that was my office. And uh, Frank had sat down to try to do some drawing on, at my desk and tell us what he was doing and he was not very good at actually describing what he was doing i don't think he'd ever thought about it before he just you know it just kind of came out of him i don't think he ever spent time you know trying to figure out what is it he did and, right you know, he couldn't articulate it very yeah, well ever. And, you, know, and, uh, you know especially when it came to frazetta girls well, well, when he would talk about even how he'd say, well, I just tell him how to move and just do like a little vavoom. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, I, it, it's hard to say exactly. I mean, it, it, there was probably a little bit of that going on, but the way Ralph shot it, it was like he shot the live action at such a high rate of speed because there was no background or sets that had to be moved around other than, you know, ramps and uh, scaffolding and stuff like that that he substituted. So there wasn't a lot going on in the set, and he just shot multiple setups a day, like uh, sometimes 100 setups, I believe, which is unheard of. You know, in real live action, you shoot maybe two or three a day or four, you know, and he was just banging through them. So I don't know that there's a lot of time for, for Frank to have uh, shown people how to necessarily uh, walk or act, or you know, other than brief moments of, here, try it this way, or you know, this is the better right. attitude and stuff. Yeah, so. and he wasn't on set very often. It was just uh, yeah, when he was, yeah, and you'd see him in the photographs, right? A lot. Make he sure he always had his camera. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah usually standing behind Cynthia, you know, crawling through a log or something. Or you know. <laughs> <laughs> he was such an he's such an interesting human being. Sure. To, to learn about now, like as I'm as I'm learning about him as a just not not grandpa, but like Frank Frazetta. He's yeah. um you know yeah, it must be hard to kind of put the two things together for you. Yeah, I mean in hindsight, it then it then it, things makes more sense. I'm like, oh, okay, this is he was just very eccentric. He's a very eccentric person. And yeah. um I I know a lot of people don't 
like to ever criticize Frank Frazetta because he's, you know, a, a, he's a legendary, but I do imagine that working with him would have been somewhat difficult just because of, again, how you like just said how he communicated and just his. Yeah. Like, I mean, every, it worked pretty well. I mean, most of his time was spent with the background artists because that was essential and he, okay. something he could actually understand too. I mean, he yeah. didn't know animation obviously, but he understands right. painting. And that's what they were doing for the backgrounds. You know, it was uh, uh, James Gurney from Dinotopia and yep. Thomas Kincaid from that junk, you know, from yep. the paint, painter of light stuff or whatever. Yeah, the light. But, the light. You know, they, they'd just gotten out of art school and stuff. And, you know, they were 90% capturing his look a lot, especially James. James really got it heavy. And James so, is, I mean, just so incredible everything he's done mm -hmm. he's just i i really I, I really just love his style and sure. he has such a like otherworldly creative imagination with the landscapes and dinotopia i mean he's oh, he's sure. a wizard yeah. I, yeah. I actually crossed paths with him but i didn't realize it was him he was at um the norman rockwell fantasy exhibit oh, yeah. that i went to last summer and i was just like who's the crazy person in the top hat <laughs> Yeah, he does have an exhibitionist side to him, I guess. Yeah, and I, I didn't get a chance to talk to him. We had we got a picture together in like the group, but I didn't get a chance to talk to him. And I was so uh, mad. I'm like, ah, because I, I wanted to talk to him about like what it was like working on the background. So I wanted to pull up this. So you you shared on you well, Steve. I have to say you've you've helped me tremendously when I when I've made posts before about like what the rotoscoping is. You've you've so graciously corrected me in the the sweetest way possible oh good i'm glad it wasn't obnoxious so. no no you're like let me fill you in a little bit more about actually what what rotoscoping is and i told you that i had pulled a lot of my sourcing from these magazines that also yeah, who, didn't, know who didn't have a clue about. yeah some of those no. magazines were clueless that's a cell okay yeah celluloid cell or whatever you want to call it and basically it the way it's created is the animator would draw mm -hmm. on paper the, the drawing, the, the uh -huh. black and white drawing, the line drawing, and then it would get Xeroxed onto a cell. What is a cell? Like just like it's a, a film? piece of plastic. Okay. It, it, it's a special density plastic or whatever. I mean, I'm sure there's all types of different, you know, uh, weights and stuff, but and it would get put on a cell and then painters would come in and flip it over and paint the back of it. That way, the line would be on the front, and okay. the back, the color would be behind it and stuff. And you know, there'd be tons and tons of those for every scene and stuff. So, I, I mean, how I, I, I'm trying to wrap my head around this, but like, would you guys ever have like any like horror, horror like days where you're like missing one cell and that? Would oh, throw oh, up? there's always a, yeah. Oh, yeah, the studio could get torn apart when something went missing or a scene went missing. Or, I mean, there's all types of th things that happen during a production that is crazy, you know. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, I mean, it could happen. There's all the departments as they can paint, the Xeroxing, there's, you know, animation, there's in-betweening. There's, it's amazing how many different problems can occur during the day, which is probably what drives people like Ralph nuts, you know. Yeah, putting run. out fires. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, constantly. Yeah. It, it's, it's just crazy, and that's why, you know, often he would, you know, have explosive moments and start, you know, I could imagine, especially on a tight budget like these things. I mean, Fire and Ice, I think, was done for a couple million at best. I have another one. So you worked on this one as well, right? That's your Yeah, that's yeah. another cell of uh, uh, Rolio. Rolio, Thank you for bringing up her name because I still can't. I couldn't like figure out how to pronounce it. I'm like reading it, and I'm like, this is this is Rolel, Rolel, Rolel. It's been a while, obviously, yeah. but it's something. I know I can see it in my head, and I can kind of vaguely hear it. But. Yeah, R O L I E L. I can right. yeah. spell it, but I can't say it for the, yeah. for the life of me. Yes, yeah, so, I mean that—that that was a great character. I mean, people love that sequence, weirdly enough, and it's—it's it's not. I mean, I—I I ended up animating the entire thing of her when she got brought back. And, did uh, you? You animated all of that? I loved that. Yeah, I, I did, mean, did the Larn, and I did her, and I look at it and think, "Well, I wish I could get another crack at that and make it better." But you know, but people seem to maybe you will. 
Yeah, well, it'd be wonderful. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, you know, I mean, at that point, I was, even though I was the animation director, I was really pretty green. I was probably um, 21, 22, or something like that. So, and not, so I was using whatever tricks I could figure out. And, right. Yeah, and there's a lot of clunky things that happened on that sequence but you know overall everyone seems to love it so uh, okay it's Good. it's a great sequence and i will tell you like we've been you know we're working you know and mm -hmm. hopefully the audience knows we are working on reviving fire and ice for its 40th anniversary 2023 mm -hmm. um and yeah, and that's already. Mm -hmm. i know i know i felt i was like oh that hurts <laughs> 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 but whatever, you know, we should just be, we shouldn't, as a culture, we should embrace that we're still here and not say, oh, you know, <laughs> we're, we're old. It's like, no, we're, we're still here. This is pretty great. Um, so, so yeah, we're, but we're working on reviving and, and the, the, the property and we're working on a prequel um, as a comic series and a, a sequel as a role-playing game. I can't obviously give out too much information now, but I will tell you that we when we were talking about this internally that's that's that that sequence that animation part with rollet roll rollio 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 maybe yeah <laughs> that's the easiest for me when i say rollio that works so we're gonna go okay. with that so I'm go with it good <laughs> but but she keeps coming up everyone everyone creative is like but this you know what what, what is she like what's going on like we need to figure her out so yeah what's that with her son what's the deal just so proud he was so proud that he was part of something and could bring the essence of his his artwork into a, a, a medium that he loved so much which was film and and it's it's really unfortunate that he his illness took over god but only a few years later that's when he had the undiagnosed thyroid issues and I thought he was insane, but it turned out to be hyperthyroid, and you kind of do go insane when your thyroid's oh, I bet, yeah. Yeah, he like went down to like 125, but he was really adamant. I mean, the interviews I've read about him and, you know, my grandma, my gra I, I think from what we talked about earlier, him having a little bit too much fun with Ralph in the casting room, <laughs> yeah. um, I think that's what prompted my grandma to say, Frank, you're done with California and you're coming back to Pennsylvania to the, you know, 70 acres of land where you're not going to see a woman anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so, so she ended up trapping him um, in a way, but... Yeah, you're stay I, I, in the swamp. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're gonna look at go look at the lake and look at some moss, but yeah. no more. Let me check your let me check your uh, film. What you were taking pictures of out there? <laughs> <laughs> now, I remember when uh, even in California, there, he was talking about that uh, the, the land that he had, and, you know, talking about how the only way you could keep the mosquitoes away was by smoking cigars and. So, so. Mosquitoes. I don't. I mean, are there? God, I bet. I guess I've been out of Pennsylvania for a long time now. But well, I maybe can't maybe on the land where he was, because it, I think initially it was kind of swampy there or something. At least the way he described it. It was. It was swampy. Um, you know, as as like a, a kid, your mem. I, I feel like memories are just your your how you perceive is so yeah. much different. It's like magical, and then as, as you're an adult, you notice things that are just more annoying. You're like, oh, yeah. this isn't this isn't magical. This, <laughs> this is yeah, this is a pain. Yeah. yeah. Now, 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 if I recall right, he said I think he was talking about they had that had some sort of pond or lake built or you know dug. That is lake. true. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I don't know why. I mean, the lake was like disgusting it, honestly it was yeah. just like this like mud pit and like you you'd imagine if it, that something like a frazetta weird creature would come out of that lake yeah <laughs> you wouldn't want to eat a fish i'll put it that way that came out of that lake no fishing um, in the fishing hole yeah yeah it was like i, I don't know like radioactive it's <laughs> so you've been what, what have you been working on now steven what's your i know you've been busy yeah i'm uh, right now i'm doing some work for marvel animation that i can't talk about the you know penalty of death yep yeah um, no, you've never and i'm doing some other stuff for uh uh disney plus and um which i can't talk about because they haven't announced that either and uh and I'm also working, just started a comic that I'd started for a comic company that imploded a while ago based on uh, Werewolf in Paris. 
mm. uh, an old uh, pulp novel. I think it was like the first werewolf novel. Okay. Um, back in the pulp days or whatever. Uh, uh, the guy that we I started it with uh, just came up, found a publisher, and he said, you know, we could go finish this. Now that, you know, I had like six pages roughed out, six or maybe, you know, maybe it was a dozen pages or something. And he said, you know, we could go finish this if you want to. And I said, yeah, I'd love to, you know, do it as a graphic novel. So that's kind of what I'm doing in some of my spare time right now. While well, there's other miscellaneous junk, but yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Are you, are you enjoying that? Kind of like that oh, yeah. 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 It's fun. I mean, it, it kind of hits the right, hey, it's, you know, very uh, Bernie Wrightson, Frazetta type of story. And, uh, you know, it's all period. It's all in the 1800s or whatever. After a, uh, um, I can't think of the war, some war in France or whatever, you know, it okay. takes place during that and stuff. So it's all kind of fun. A lot of research that I have to do to get costumes. I was going to ask you, yeah. yeah it's like, so is that when you're doing your creative process, like you're, when you're going into it, do you, do you start with research or do you kind of just add research in as you're going? It, it depends. A lot of times I will, especially at the beginning of this one, I, you know, I'd never heard of that war or anything else. I wanted to kind of get a feel for uh, what the soldiers looked like and, you know, mm -hmm. the costuming, of course, for, for the main characters and stuff, because I thought that would lend its unique look too, obviously, you know, as yeah. opposed to everyone just looking like, yeah, you know, they just stepped off of a uh, Hollywood set or something, you know. Right, right. <laughs> Back in the days when the universe was doing monster movies, they just, you know, whatever was contemporary clothing in those days was used, yeah. So. Yeah, no, I'm. I got, it's just again like going back to how much work it really takes. The behind the scenes of in the life of an artist, it's sure. like it's grueling. I you don't. Oh yeah, you don't, yeah. I, making a living do, doing comics full time and stuff like that would be, and, and unfortunately they don't often pay well. So it's a uh, no. I I feel I God you know if I have a chance to ever be involved with with the finance part of of projects i just hope that i can be blessed enough to change that in my small world because sure. i that's like the one thing that kills me i'm like oh my god the artists are getting paid or the writers are getting paid this much yeah. for this work it's not sure. but but i i get it it's with budget constraints and oh yeah and um, you have to figure out the profit margin and everything else exactly yeah. And, and you know, even you know, Frank had to deal with all that when he was first starting out in comics, and then in, oh, yeah. even when he was doing paperback covers and stuff. Yeah, I mean, well, most of his life he didn't have money. I mean, he yeah. really he, he was the million dollar painting happened right before he passed away, and yeah. and he was just like great, like he, <laughs> because yeah. I think as like an artist he was just so used to living uh, on basically nothing. Yeah, and, going hand to mouth and, you know, from, you know, oh, I'm running out of money. I better do another painting, you know. Well, and then that was because my grandma, I think he would have just left, to, you know, whatever. He would have just been like, I, I don't, I can live, I, I don't, maybe like in a shed. Like, I think he would have been content with, with basically yeah. nothing. But because he had a family, that wasn't an option. No. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I mean, God, even like the Lancer paperbacks, and that, that was what really got him on the Conan work. And Sure. It was a really low number. Like oh, they, yeah. oh, yeah. they paid him nothing, and yeah. it was they, the only ones that paid were the uh, from what I recall is the movie posters. They paid them him pretty well. Yeah, and that because that that was kind of an established art form, and mm. movies made more money, and or th in theory they could. And so mm -hmm. you know, there, there's kind of a price guide as right. to what people would make on those. So he, I'm sure he must have loved doing those, even though. I know. He, I, I understand he wasn't real thrilled with having to do all those caricature posters and the, yeah. the, the thirty or forty characters running after that something or you know. Yeah, uh, he 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 did not enjoy doing those whatsoever. It was just yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure at that time my grandma saying you better you better make you money. You need to do this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you. But, you know, uh, on the other, I mean, she was the one who made sure they got the a lot of the art back, which is great. I mean, otherwise, yeah. He got, it was, it's weird though. So I, cause I, I, my whole life I had heard that it was all my grandma's um, doing, but then with his work with EC, it was the weird fantasy 29. 
Um, I know he was the Buck Rogers. It was one mm -hmm. of the last ones that got rejected. And he was not with my grandma at this time. And he was the one that was like, I really want to keep this painting, this, this original. Mm -hmm. And he was really pushing for it. So I think that I think that it was just a matter for him. It was like if something, if he was really passionate about the piece, like he would push for it. And I think my grandma saw it obviously as a, a business and she saw it like, yeah. oh, we're gonna, you know, that we're going to bring sense. people to the museum and we're going to tell them nothing's for sale. And, um, but of course everything is for a price. And yeah, sure. <laughs> she was, she was, but, but my grandpa, I, I just read, um, oh God, it was about his, his, in, in his last comic work, his creepy number one. And the werewolf story, speaking of right, werewolf. Okay, yeah. So when he was talking about that, and, and it was actually, he was talking to Dave Winowitz, and he was like really angry that my my grandma and um, and his son, Frank Jr., were selling those panels. And he was like, you know, they, they split up the art, they split it up, the work, the whole story, and now they're selling panels from it. So there were certain pieces, it was, it was you know, I don't know, they're like, it's a marriage, there's complications. Yeah, and, oh, sure, and it's it's a business partnership in a marriage, which makes it even more complicated. Um, but I think there were just I think my grandpa's whole thing was just it was truly what he was passionate about, and then he'd fight to keep it. And then you know, but who yeah, knows? Sense, yeah. I mean, there are certain pieces that he probably loved and wanted to keep, and and probably that triggered your your grandmother fi figuring out, ah. Oh, this might actually be the way to make money down the line. I mean, she actually could see the, I don't know, the complete future, but she understood that if they hang on, hung on to these, there might be a secondary market down the oh, line. Oh, yeah. I mean, even with the merchandising, I mean, my grandpa yeah. never would have done that. I mean, the fact that she, I, oh God, she, I think the she got like, and stuff, yeah. yeah, the posters, she made like a, a hundred thousand reproductions of the posters for like 20 cents a piece like each each poster we still sure. have those vintage posters they're they're like they're like yeah. the, i think i'll have a, some of them at least until i'm dead they just <laughs> but they, they were sitting in the basement from I, I think they printed them in the like late 70s um yeah, and then she got into the right. calendars and the statues and you know my grandpa would just look at it and go oh, whatever don't care do whatever you want i'm just yeah. gonna go take something i'm gonna pictures. go repaint something yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna go take something off the wall from the museum and really piss off ellie <laughs> <laughs> and and his fans and you know it's crazy when he did those repaints I, I i'm sure you know this but most of it was because he didn't have another canvas to work on because he just didn't want to spend the few dollars to yeah. buy another canvas and i'm like what that's where I wish I could have the talk, like a, a, just a real conversation with my grandma and say, why? And You'll I know I a stack of canvases. Yeah. Well, well, yeah. Why didn't for Christmas someone just get grandpa like a whole room of canvases or masonite board or anything he wanted? Why wasn't that like, yeah. why didn't I do it as a child? Why didn't that sink well, in? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, that's it, crazy. I mean, you hear story. I mean, and, you know, he always kind of, his work materials were always the cheapest things he could find, I gather, which yes. is what caused his problems later. Yes. Down the line. That, that, thyroid that linseed oil and the yep. stuff. He wouldn't ventilate, Stevie. Yeah. You're an artist. Can you imagine not ventilating no. at all? <laughs> if I smell like bleach or any kind of paint fume, I'm like, whew. Feel yeah. But it must have been so in his system that he probably couldn't even tell any longer. Well, yeah. the last time he... The, right before his his major um, his Graves disease, he said he like tasted death. Like mm. it, it, he kept like, talking about, it. he's like I just tasted something weird. It ta I tasted death. Like it, it it was in my throat, and I couldn't smell anything but death. Like he, yeah. going back to how he couldn't really describe things very yeah. very well. It was just his world, yeah. his perception. So yeah, he he said that it was that maybe that was. Maybe that was all of, like the toxins just sitting in his. It could you know, be. I mean, he was probably getting high in that room. <laughs> yeah, you know, he was he was very straight edge when it came to he didn't he didn't do drugs he didn't drink yeah. alcohol but he definitely got high on linseed oil. Oh yeah, I mean you're not getting any ventilation that just the the smell probably would have. Oh man. Yeah, don't uh, any artists watching don't smell linseed oil to, <laughs> well, to make but, something like Frank Frazetta. <laughs> yeah. So, Steve, speaking of um, art, I wanted to ask you about this piece. I love this piece that you did. Is this a commission? No, that was, uh, I did that for that 
convention we were talking about. I did a series of those. You did? Uh, just for that convention. You know, there was this, and um, there was the one of Larn and Tigra, and then one of Dark Wolf, I think, and Necron okay. and his mother. And you have the whole series up on your Facebook still? I miss uh, not maybe not on Facebook, but on my website probably. Which or, let's let's tell everyone where to find you. StephenEGordon.com sure. is that correct? Yeah, yeah. It, it's Stephen with a V. Uh, make sure you remember the middle E, e. after Stephen. Yes. Yeah, because uh, you yeah. have a really nice website, by the way. I have to Thank tell you. you. Like, I love the, the the chronological order of your career. If I had a better memory, I would have been able to recall <laughs> all those things. <laughs> Did my research and then I forget. But, you know. Oh, yeah. I forget <laughs> all the time, don't I? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I feel better about that because you're like, I don't, I don't really remember. Um, but, no, I really love that piece because... I, it's 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 you. It's it's Stephen. I feel Stephen in the characters and yeah. It's not. I mean, obviously, it's not Frank. It's my version of them. Yeah. It's not even what I drew probably when I was working on the show. And I, like right. I said, I rarely did Tigra. So I mean, th that was well, you did her great there. They need yeah. yeah. I think she turned out okay, but you know, th they had to have someone specifically anchored onto her. Because that that was the main concern of the film, so. Yeah, yeah, Tigra. I mean, it's it's, and that it's kind of like creatively right now with, with working with this 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 uh, revival. That's mm -hmm. our biggest concern, and I, I guess I'm like my grandfather in that way. I'm like Tigra. We have to get Tigra a certain you get way. It right. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I I think like with the double entendre, you know, the Frazetta girls. My grandpa coined the term Frazetta girls, and then. We we took that because it was like it was like I said a double entendre were his girls and you were, you were the Frazetta's girls and yeah sure yeah we, it just it worked um, sure. but but I but yeah so with, with, with what I am doing day to day I, there's just such an emphasis on his girls and like Tigra is the Frazetta girl so sure. it's 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 like a it's a big task for any artist trying to nail. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, I'd say a good percentage of his time on the film was spent working, trying to get that girl. I mean, girl uh, Tigra, downright, and the girl that we eventually hired to do it. She spent a lot of time with him, going back and forth, not just trying to get, you know, the drawing right, but get the face right and get the the proportions right. Because you know, Frank hadn't even thought much about breast size or anything else because he'd just paint whatever felt right in that painting. Right. And mm -hmm. then, you know, one day he'd come in and say, you know, I think each breast should be the size of her head. And then the next, and, you know, we, and then the next day he'd come in, no, 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 both breasts together. You know, it just, he, he, he'd contradict <laughs> himself constantly because I don't think he ever gave it any serious thought. It was just whatever yeah. came out of his paintbrush was a Frazetica or, or ink pen or whatever. But to actually have to try to describe it to someone who, and we needed to keep consistency, right? Put right. It on model and make sure it was something that could be followed. That that was probably one of the harder things for him is trying to figure out what a Frazetta girl was. So. I think I think that was just his overall personality too, like contradicting. I mean, yeah, we, oh, sure. I, I talked to like certain just Frazetta historians and and people who worked with him on books, and and they always say the same thing that he was full of contradictions like his his story would a few years later would with an interview would contradict something he said I, so yeah. I don't I, I think it was just who Frank was very eccentric and yeah and, and I think he enjoyed mytholo mythologizing about himself and yes you know, I mean, you know, oh, yeah. like, well this sounds really good I have a photographic memory. But, uh, you know. Yes, yes, which we've proven to not be true. And, you knew and, that you've got the best photographic memory. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, he had, and he had with, with his references, I mean, he had a mirror next to his. Oh, sure. His and and how, it's like, how many cameras does a man have to own before you realize he's using camera footage? You know, cam, you know exactly. snapshots and stuff. They, they but, all look like him. So, yeah, I mean, sure. naturally. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and he and he was you know he prided himself on being able to just have that athleticism and get into those poses and sure. you see those poses and you're like that's that's frank like oh that's that, that was the whole way i mean the al williamson and roy cranko and all those guys that he grew up in the uh, with uh, as artists and stuff that's how they all worked they all took right. photographs of each other right i mean 
Yeah. Well, do you? I mean, what? What? What, what do you? Do you? Do you use references? When oh, yeah, you know? sure, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I've got, I've got. Not only do I use photos and stuff, but I've got, you know, poseable models and you know dolls and stuff that I use if I need to. And you know. I don't know how you would work without a reference. I mean, I dabble in drawing and and. When I try to close my eyes and visualize something, I see nothing. I mean, you have to have an idea of what you want to do, but right. I, I use photos a lot. And by Google and, you know, the fact that I'm friends with a lot of cosplayers and stuff, I, you know, I utilize uh, their photos and whatnot. And, yeah. Oh, we're so lucky with what we have now and our sure. access on, I mean, that's, that's what inspires me just like, Instagram models and I'm like wow like there's sure. this one girl I think you've seen me post her quite a bit of baby K yeah, um, and she, yeah. and oh, she's, she's, she's a presenter figure yeah oh god it's like amazing and she inspires me to want to draw a human body I'm like that's yeah, I mean, you, you get that a lot you know artists do they see something go ah I want to draw that or I want to paint that or yeah. but no oh, Stephen thank you so much for your time tonight seriously oh, my, like my I I love chatting with you. I love learning from you. And I just want to thank you for being here and sharing some stories. And will you come back someday, like in the future, we can oh, maybe sure. when we work together because we're going oh, to work. Absolutely. Anytime you call me, we'll figure out a time.